Bibles to Mark uh, chapter 7. We'll be doing verses 24 through 37. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it's also on the screen. Mark 7, 24. For there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demons out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be f- filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter laying on the bed. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of a region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude, and he put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up at heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephithia, that is, be open. Immediately his ears were open, and the impediment of his tongue was loosened, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He had done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day, Lord God. We just thank you for this opportunity to uh, gather together, Lord God, and to get into your word, Lord. I just thank you for all the, uh, the special things you've done here this morning, Lord God, and it's just the beginning. Lord, I just uh, ask that you continue to bless all of us, Lord. Open up our hearts and our minds, Lord God, to receive your word this morning, Lord God. I just pray that you uh, continue to anoint Jackie as he teaches us the word this morning, Lord God, and uh, I just thank you. For, uh, for all of us here, Lord, and I just pray that we uh, have the ability to desire you more and more each and every day, Lord God, and that our love for you just continues to grow and strengthen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. you got to be careful around here. You give Dave the mic too long. <laughs> well, God's good. A while back, Dave came to me and he said, Hey, Jackie, I want to I wanna do a special fund I'm not going to tell you nothing about. I'm assuming that was the special fund he didn't want to tell me nothing about. That uh, they got together with some guys and blessed us. Praise God. God's good. This morning as we look at our text, um, we have opportunity to answer some questions all the way through the gospel of mark look this is what we ought to be asking ourselves at least all the way through where we're going to be today and that is who's jesus and and how do i get to know him how do i come to him and when we look at this 
the story that we have before us today, a lot of those answers are laid out for us. See, people have a couple of different views of God. They, they have a view that God's bloodthirsty, and you got to appease Him with sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And <clears throat> little by little, you can have a relationship with Him if you live your life that way. Other people feel like God is a mystical spirit that's everywhere and at all times, and is at our beck and call anytime we want to reach out to Him. And the reality is, both of those views are wrong. And the story today kind of lays out for us how it is. How do we come to the Lord? And it's, it's so exciting. It's so often this happens, guys. We, we come to stories we're familiar with. And we miss the obvious message out of the story because of the familiarity that we have with the text that lies before us. So prayerfully this morning, that won't be the case as we take a look at Mark chapter 7, he begins in verse 24. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house, and he wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. So look what Jesus is doing. Remember the last couple weeks, we've left him trying to get some some quiet time. And everywhere he goes, the multitudes press him, right? People want to be where Jesus is. They They want to hear what he has to say But more than any of that, they want some relief from their crazy life or whatever struggles that are there that's happening. And so because he's touching and healing and moving and working in their life, they're drawn to him. But the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John that Jesus knew their heart. He wouldn't give himself over to them because in their heart, all they wanted was the gifts that God could give. But they didn't want the giver of the gifts. We have this idea that we want to come to God with our own mindset, our own concept. This is, this is how I'm going to come to God. And in the world that we live in today, we, we relativize truth. In other words, you have a truth, I have a truth, they have a truth. And by definition, when we do that, there is no truth. For there to be truth, then truth has to be absolute or there's no such thing. And when we come to that comprehension, then it means that God has a plan, a purpose, a way that we're supposed to come to Him. He has a concept in it. In fact, in Acts chapter 17, we'll get to it in a little while, He said that Jesus Christ demands all men everywhere repent and come to Him. In John chapter 5, He said, if you want to have eternal life, then believe in Him who sent me. And we, we look at the scriptures that God lays out for us, and he has an idea, a way. But here we see Jesus wants to get away, and so he finds a house in Tyre and Sidon. That's Gentile land. He left Jewish property, and he went to a Gentile place. And in this Gentile place, guys, as he, as he gathers in this Gentile place, as he comes in, as he's, he's, he's finding himself uh, thinking, okay, I'm around Gentiles now. So they're, they're probably not going to come at me. But there was somebody in need. You guys know that there are people in need right now? There are people in need in here. There's people in need in our community. A lot of hurt and heartache. Is there any shortage of that in our world? It's consistent. It's constant. The Bible tells that Jesus wanted to be hidden. But it says a woman whose young daughter 
had an unclean spirit, heard about him. And she came and she fell at his feet. And this woman was Greek. She's Gentile. She's not a Jew. A Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. I just want you to picture it because it's so important. Jesus is staying at somebody's house. This woman doesn't know the person that, that, at the house where he's staying. She doesn't know anything about what's going on. But she knows, she knows that her daughter needs some help. We look on the scale of bravery from, from courage to cowardice. And somewhere off of that scale is a mother whose child needs help. And she will go anywhere and do anything to get it. So she goes to a house she doesn't know. The house is probably a, a Jewish man living there in, in the Syrophoenicia and where Jesus is staying. And so she goes to that house. She bangs on the door. The people who answer the door, they don't know her. She, if you can just picture in your mind, she, they don't know her. They're like, yes, who are you? And she just kind of pushes her way past them. Comes to the place where Jesus falls straight down on the floor on her knees. And she just starts begging him, please help my daughter. Please help my daughter. The, the Greek word, it says she kept on asking. It meant that she pled and she was pleading and she was crying out to God to do, to do something for her. And as she's doing this, as she finds herself in this place, just reaching out, she knows in her heart that I'm not a Jew. I don't, I don't know the same God that they know. I don't understand their religion. I don't understand all the stuff about them. All I know is Jesus can help. I'm not part of, of their family or their group, and I don't fit in the, in the niche, but, but my daughter needs help. And so this is bringing her to the place. She knows I'm not qualified. I'm a woman. I, I'm not even supposed to approach a Jewish man. She's Syrophoenician. She grew up around Jews her whole life. She knew how they viewed her. She knew that they saw her as a dog. And a dog in, in, those, in their world, a dog was, was mangy, unclean, dirty. Stay away. Remember when Goliath was, was talking to David? David's going to kill Goliath, you remember? And little David comes out there to fight Goliath. And Goliath says, what am I, a dog? You send this little child out to, to take care of me? The, the idea, they looked down. That, that there was a, a wall of separation that she's not supposed to socially or cult, culturally cross. But she's there. Through the door. On the ground. Before a Savior. Crying for her little girl. God help. Help my little girl. Please help my little girl. Please over and over. The disciples tried to stop her, but they couldn't. We read about it in Matthew 15, 23. It says, but he answered, not a word. And his disciples urged him, saying, send her away. She keeps crying out to us. So the disciples always see the problem. Jesus is always moved with compassion. And everything that Jesus does, he does for a reason. He doesn't just happen to be where he's at. He doesn't happen to be in that house and just magically this girl comes along. He knows what's going on. He knows the needs that are around. And so he waits and he doesn't answer for his disciples. 
so that they could understand. Because what you're going to see in just a couple of minutes is that Gentile woman is the only one in the gospel to this point who ever understood what Jesus was saying when he spoke in parables. A Gentile woman, the first one who gets the parable of Jesus, who knows what he's saying, responds in kind, and receives what she's looking for. So Jesus doesn't answer, and he waits to see, what are my disciples going to do? And they're pestered. They're like, man, Lord, can you send her away? She just keeps crying. You ever felt that way? You ever been in a period of time in your life where that seems like all you want to do is cry? All you want to do is weep. I don't know if I'm ever going to smile again. I don't know if I'm ever going to feel joy again. I find myself feeling low. And what God's word is telling us is there's only one place you can go. The Bible tells us that sorrow is for the evening. Now what that means is it's temporary. The Bible says joy comes when? In the morning. The point is that our sorrow is temporary, and when the Bible speaks of the morning, it's speaking of that time when we see Jesus Christ face to face. When we stand before Him, there will be no more sorrow. No more pain. That's why Paul could say, it's not even worthy to be compared. The, the, the glory that shall be revealed in me when I see Jesus face to face. So I look at the troubles and the trials, and I still mourn, and I still weep, but I weep as one who has hope. Because I may sorrow here, but there will be joy in the morning. And so she cries out. The disciples, they want her to be quiet. So Jesus gives a parable. Look at the words that Jesus shares to her. It says, Jesus said to her, let the little or let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now we know that Jesus is speaking in a parable. He's, whenever we see a parable, what's it mean? It means he's, he's using a metaphor. He's throwing something down beside the situation they find themselves in. And he's saying, this is like that. This is like that. So he says, it's not good. It's not good to, to take the food that is for the children and give it to the dogs. Now she would understand exactly what he's talking about. First off, he's, he's utilizing what would have been considered in that day a racial slur. But he doesn't use the harsh term for dog. He, he uses a diminutive term. In other words, he uses the word that you would use for a puppy. And he says, if you're a family and you're sitting down to eat, you don't feed the puppies first, you feed the children first. You feed the children first. You wouldn't take the food that you have for your daughter and throw it to the dogs. And as Jesus casts out this parable to her, as he lays it out for her, Matthew 15, 24, he explains it to her. Listen to what he says, Matthew 15, 24, he said... I was not sent except to the lost sheep of who? The house of Israel. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus is saying, the children at the table is Israel. And I'm here 
to minister to them. I have an order. There's an order to my coming. And the order is to the Jew first. And then to the Greek. How do I know it's to the Greek? How do I know it's to the Gentile? You guys remember Matthew 28, right? We go over it all the time. Jesus said to his disciples, Go. Where? To the nations. The goyim. What's that word? Literal word? Go to the Gentiles. Make disciples of all men. So Jesus is laying out for there's an order. There's an order to my coming. I, I've come for Israel. I have not come for, for the Greeks. He says, I want Israel to know that I'm the fulfillment of their promises. And I want Israel to know that I'm the fulfillment of the prophets and the priests. The things that the kings told them about. That I'm the fulfillment of the temple. Everything that the temple speaks of. And when he dies and is resurrected, then his mission is going to turn and it's going to go toward the Gentile. By Acts chapter 10, we see Gentiles being saved. We see the church changing, things radically being transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. This is what he's telling her. He has given her both a challenge and an offer. The challenge is I'm not here yet for the Gentiles. But the offer is I will be. I'm not here yet, but I will be. And this woman, this woman hears a message that he says, and she gets it. And she answers him in the same language. Look what she's saying. She she says, she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs, even the puppies under the table can eat from the children's crumbs. Listen, just hear what she's saying. I know I can't come to the table. I know I'm unclean. I know I'm broken. I'm stained. I'm a sinner. I I don't belong at the table. But the food that you have on your table is enough to feed the whole world. And even the little puppies... It can get by on just the crumbs that fall from that table. In other words, the sufficiency of what Christ is bringing to the nation of Israel is sufficient to affect the whole world. She just speaks back the parable to him. And it blows Jesus away. Do you see how he answers? He He says to her, that's the best answer I've ever heard. We can't even translate straight across what he says in, in the Greek because Mark's a fisherman. And, and sometimes we look at some of his stuff and we, we're not sure how to make it make sense in English. Make sense in Greek. But in Greek it's like, man, that's an incredible answer. That's an amazing answer. I, I can't even believe that the, the answer that you're given, Jesus saw exactly what was going on in her heart. I know I'm not supposed to be at the table. I know I'm not of the tribe of Israel. I know I don't have a Bible. I don't even know how to worship the God of the Bible. I don't have the Ten Commandments. I'm unworthy. But as she's down there, she doesn't get mad. She doesn't stand up and say, I can't believe you would say this to me. I can't believe that you would say I was like a little puppy. I can't believe that you would say I'm I'm not worthy to be at the table. She says, I'm not coming to you on the basis of what I deserve. Because of my goodness, I'm coming to you for what I don't deserve based on your goodness. That's mind-boggling. Gentile woman, she gets it all. 
She gets it, that it's not about what she earned. See, we don't understand her boldness to continue to ask, to be on her knees, to to come before the Lord and ask God to move. Because we, in our world, we we stand on our rights. And by, I got a right to stand here and ask you for this. I'm, I'm not as bad as that guy or this person or that person over there. I'm not as bad as this or that. I, I have a right. That's where we tend to stand. But she didn't. She surrendered them. She said, I don't have a right. I'm a little puppy. But I'm trusting that you are good enough to let crumbs fall. And she was right, wasn't she? She said, I'm trusting in your goodness. That's how we come to Jesus. We don't come to Jesus standing on our rights. We don't come to Jesus because we deserve something or we ought to get something or we ought to get... We come to Jesus knowing I'm broken, I'm stained, I'm a sinner, I fall short, but I'm trusting in your goodness. I'm trusting that you're willing to, to meet my need in this place. I'm, I'm trusting that you're willing to meet me right here. What more could Jesus do to express that to us than come across the cosmos from heaven to earth to come and, and, and stand before us a little child I'm willing she says give me what I don't deserve I need your grace I need your mercy man it's so awesome because then he said to her For this saying, you hear that, because of how you answer, because of what you see and how you understand. I wish my disciples got it. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. I've been telling them this stuff all along and they can't see it. But you get it. You get it. You say, I can trust in, in your goodness, even though life is hard. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Nor has it entered into the hearts of men the things God has planned for those who love Him. That means no matter how much we hurt now, no matter what we're going through and the difficulties that we face, joy will come in the morning. Right now, it's evening. But joy will come. And just like this, little, this, this woman crying out for goodness from her Savior, we... Don't receive that goodness based on our goodness or how right we've got it or or how well we're doing. We receive it because of how good He is. That's how we come to Him. That's the way we draw before the Lord based on His goodness, not our own. I'm broke. I'm a mess. If If you go to family camp, I'll do something dumb and make you mad. Sorry. It happens. I don't want you to think, oh, Jackie's less broken than me. Jackie's less messed up than I am. No, I am not. I'm uh, just as messed up. In fact, I got a thing that says most of the time preachers are more messed up than everybody else. So God makes us preachers, so we have to stay close. And it's important that we recognize that's... That's how we come. This is, this is how we come, based on his goodness. So it says, when she left and went to her house, she found the demon gone and her daughter lying on the bed. So the mother got her desire, right? Uh, Lord, would you give me grace? This pagan woman, 
This woman who don't understand, doesn't have any theology, doesn't know right from wrong, but she was willing to come to him and accept what he said about her. And she accepted what he said about her. We don't like that today. We want to take out sections of the Bible, throw them away. Oh, you know, I don't like that section. It says this, and I, can't, I just can't buy that. I want to throw that away. That's the opposite of this woman. She took what it was that Jesus said about her, and she said, you're right. And I'm here because you're good. See, Jesus demanded that all men everywhere repent, change their direction, and come to him. And to as many as come to him, that he will make them sons of God. He will do the work in their life, but they've got to turn. They leave. We exit the path we were on, the self-exalting path, and we come to Christ and we say, No, I'm broke. I'm a mess. I do things wrong, Lord, and I need your forgiveness. I need your strength. I need your salvation. And he gives us that. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you come like this woman. You come like her. Not saying, but Lord, Lord, I'm this, I'm just this way. No, I am this way and it's messed up. Your word tells me my way's messed up. Save me. And he does. But look what the scripture goes on to say. Verse 31. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of the Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. And they brought to him one who was deaf and one who had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude. Now we see it falls in the same line. So both of these stories are pointing to the same thing. I just want you to see it. Well, why can we come to Jesus then? That's the way we come to him. Why can we come to Jesus? Well, look, they bring him a deaf mute. And the deaf mute comes to him and all the people are looking for a spectacle. How do I know the people are looking for a spectacle? Because people were the same then as they are now. If you could heal somebody, what do they do? What do they do? There's all these people that talk about healing. Whether they're healers or not, it's irrelevant. None of them... Not one, none of them do it like Jesus did. None of them do it like Jesus. Jesus would come into a place, you see it in this story. Deaf mute comes to him, Jesus takes him away from the multitude. He's saying to this man, I care about you, you're not a spectacle for all these people's entertainment. You're not a spectacle for them. And then he does everything different than he did for the woman. The little girl had a demon, all Jesus said is the demon's gone. He doesn't have to do anything fancy to work up his power or do it. He just said the demon's gone. The demon was gone. Now the deaf man comes to him. He takes him away. He's identifying with his need. He's compassionate to the need of this man. He takes him away. He puts his fingers in his ear and his fingers on his tongue. That's not weird. Uh, come on, that's a little weird. I, I get mental images when I read stuff like that. And I'm like, I see Jesus going. What if you're the, the deaf guy? What are you doing? Fingers in his ear. Touches his tongue. Then he spits on his hand. And then he touches his tongue with the spittle. 
Why does he do that? Look, he's not working up his power. What is he saying? This guy can't hear him. He can't speak. So Jesus touches his ears and he says, I'm going to fix these. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to put me in you. And he looks up to heaven. The most impactful part. Don't miss this. He looks up to heaven and the scripture says he groaned. He groaned. Why? Because every human being, guys, that Jesus brings wholeness to is brought by the stripes he has not yet bore. The Bible says in Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. It means made whole. God's really less concerned with whether or not you ever get sick or you struggle in pain and more concerned with making you whole. And he makes you whole when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He makes you whole. And when, when Mark tells us about this, he said, he says, he says, Epiphrath, that is, be open. And immediately his ears were open. The impediment in his tongue was loose. He spoke plainly. And he commanded them not to tell anybody, but they didn't listen because nobody ever did. And they went further, proclaiming it everywhere they went. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. But in this phrase, in those verses, there's this one Greek phrase that's only used one time in the Bible. One other time. <clears throat> and it's in Isaiah 35. And usually when we find something like that, that we don't see anywhere else, we say, it's just used here. And one other place is he's talking about uh, opening uh, the ears. It takes us to Isaiah 35. So in Isaiah 35, let's just look. Just, I'm not going to read it all, but the whole chapter is amazing. When we see that, it says, whoa, go over there and look at it there. Go over there and listen to what's happening. So look at Isaiah 35. It says, the wilderness and the wasteland will be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. <laughs> they shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. So strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Listen and say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong and do not fear. Listen. Behold, your God is coming with vengeance and with recompense of God, and he will come and save you. Listen, and the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, that the lame would leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. He uses the same exact phrase. But there's something different. We read that and we say, okay, I get it. God's going to come and He's going to heal the blind and He's going to make the, the, the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. And all that's good. I get it. I see. I see how all that flows together. But it says He's going to come with vengeance. He's going to come with recompense. When did Jesus do that? He didn't come to bring it. He come to bore it. He didn't come to bring recompense. He came to bear it on his back. 
take the brokenness and the stain and the mess that is this world to come and say, I'm going to take that punishment on me. I'm going to take it on my back. Listen to what he did. He's saying, I, the son, seated at the table, am going to become the dog. So that the dogs below the table can become sons and daughters. That's how we do it. We come to Jesus recognizing our brokenness and we lay ourselves out for His goodness. But the reason we're able to do it is because Jesus took it upon Himself. He took that punishment and that pain for all the hurt. That's why Jesus was moved with compassion. Everybody ever healed. It says when people came to Him, Jesus healed them. When people asked Him, Jesus healed them. But that's not forever. That's not forever. God can take away the pain you're feeling right now, but that doesn't do you any good if you don't have a relationship with Him. So if you don't have a relationship with Him, if you don't know Him like that, then you're only going to have more sorrow, and you don't have the hope of joy coming in the morning. You don't have the hope of the day you stand before Christ, and He takes you in His arms, and He stands you before His Father, and He says, Dad... This is my brother. Once he was just a dog, but now he's a son. She's a daughter. They're part of the family. My blood covers them. So Jesus groaned because he, in his mind's eye, he sees in just a few short days what's coming. So that he can change the deaf man's life. Whether the deaf man hears or not is not the part of the story. The part of the story is the deaf man was made whole by his relationship with Christ. Whether or not the little girl had a demon or didn't have a demon, that's not the story. She was made whole because of her relationship with Jesus Christ. Because she came. Because he came. Jesus moved with compassion, paid the price so that they could have the relationship that they ought to have, that they should have, that should be a part of them. The child became the dog. So the dogs could become sons and daughters at the table. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for me. So that I could become the righteousness of God. So I can come before the throne of grace boldly. Just like that woman. Knowing my need. I need you. I need you. I need you. I come. I can come boldly. I can be assertive. Because my my assertiveness is not based on my goodness but His. And He's eternally good. He's eternally good and He has an eternal plan. Acts 17 says this, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all men everywhere to repent. Because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him from the dead. Jesus Christ commands all men everywhere to repent. Change direction. Come to Him. Seek His salvation. In John 5.24, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and will not come to judgment, 
but has passed from death to life. Look, the gospel is simple. It's not complicated. Jesus Christ wants all men everywhere to repent, change their direction, agree like the woman. I am what you say I am. I am a sinner, broken. There's nothing good in me. But I don't use it as an excuse not to come. I'm so bad. I use it as a, a reason to come. I come to Christ in that truth. And I reach out to Him and say, Lord, based on Your goodness, save me. And you know what? God has never turned anybody away. Never turn anyone away. If you repent and ask, He gives. Not most of the time, not some of the time, every single time. God is able. Don't go through this life without hope. The whole book of Psalms is all about life is hard and God is good. And there is a day coming. But it's not today. Not right now anyway. There's a day coming. All that will be set right. All that we lost is found in Christ. All that we lack is found in Christ. All that we, we think we, we need here through a lifestyle or a, a, a desires is, can all be found in Christ. He just wants us to turn from that and turn to Him. And the first woman or the first person in the gospel to get it was a Gentile woman. I need your grace. I need your mercy. And she got it. And next, the deaf man, he opens his ears and he says, look at Isaiah 35. I'm coming to set it right. And I'm going to take the punishment on myself. And you'll know that it took because God will raise me from the dead. And that's the story that we have. Jesus Christ is able to save us from the guttermost to the uttermost. It's nobody's life he can't touch if we can do those two things. Repent and believe. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you this morning, Lord Jesus, and and there's just a lot of brokenness going on. A lot of unanswerable questions and a variety of tragedies in the last couple of weeks. And all of those tragedies, what they tell me, God, is I don't like this place. I don't want to be here. I want to be with you. But I have a job to, to do, but I look forward to the day when it's not going to be about goodbyes. It's going to be about never having to say goodbye again. It's not going to be about the hardness of life. It's going to be about the goodness of life. It's not going to be about the struggle. That will have been over. It will be about 
the reward of life eternal. And the more that uh, those hard times come, the more I get homesick. But then when I think about being home with you, God, I think about all the people that don't know you. They They don't know your goodness. Maybe they only understand the severity, the hardness of life, but they don't understand the goodness, the grace with which you're willing to put the pieces back together. You're the only one who can do it. You give us beauty for ashes. You're the only one. Nobody else even promises it. But you say, through broken lips and a bloody face, see I make all things new. I will take the severity upon myself so that you can have the promise. God, I pray that if there's anybody in here today, just it seems like we have these these uh this relationship with you that's just surface. It's just one day, one moment, when I get around to thinking about you. And if that sums up my relationship, that's not a relationship. A relationship comes before you kneeling and says, I am broken. Will you make me whole? And it never stops crying out. And it never quits. It just keeps crying out. It says, I'm not going anywhere until you bless me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to hold on. From a Gentile woman to Jacob, I'm going to hold on until you bless me. I'm going to hold on until I see the promises revealed. I'm going to hold on until I see it happen. I'm not just asking for it to happen in the next 10 minutes or the next 10 days or the next 10 years. I'm going to live a lifestyle saying, I am yours. From now till then. Those are the people God's looking for. Those are the people he changed the world with before. Those are the people he can change the world with again. Sometimes we get the idea that the world's circling the drain and there's nothing we can do about it. And that's a lie. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can save a baby by helping out at Stanton Healthcare. I can save a soul I can change the direction of my nation if I am willing to kneel before you and say, I am broken, make me whole. You didn't put us in this world so that we would just watch it go down. You put us in this world so that we would fight to make it right until you come back. So God... Be glorified in the life we live. And may those who have not reached that place of surrender hear the call of your spirit today. And may they come. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.